Jesus. Who knows that God's been good to them? Amen. You may take a seat. And uh, it's good to worship together. It's good to be together, whether you are joining us online or you are here in the building. I love the church gathered and it's good to be together. So welcome. Um, If you don't know me, who I am, who is this weird bloke? Uh, I am Adam Grant. I am uh, one of the elders in the church and it's my privilege just to share the Word of God with you this morning. So good to be with you. So let me turn this thing on. There it is. No. I'll just access Siri, I think. (laughs) Cool. There it is. I don't know if you have a pair of binoculars. I feel a little bit old school with these, but um, this is hand-me-down from... um, We actually have two sets, my wife and I. Both of hand-me-downs from our fathers, and, uh, and I love them. But one day I took um, my binoculars up to Picnic Point because I worked down in the Lockett Valley and I wanted to find my workplace. And, uh, and so I checked out uh, from Picnic Point and I found my workplace and uh, gained a new perspective and I found where we are and now I can, I can pick out where we are down in the Lockyer Valley from the Picnic Point. And I was a little bit chuffed about that. You might go, big deal. But I, was, I, thought, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, but I found that perspective, that's where we are. And there's a plane on the runway that we have. There's the plane. I found the plane. And I found that perspective. But what I also found was when I took the binoculars away, man, what a view. Yeah. I took in the entire perspective of the Lockyer Valley. And I can never get tired of that view. I love that view. It's beautiful. And so while I had a, a narrow perspective... Sometimes we get caught up in life with a narrow perspective and we've got to take the binoculars away and see a bigger perspective on life. And I want to talk to you about that this morning. In 2018, I had uh, the privilege of going on an overseas tour. Could you imagine that? Because that's all we can do at the moment, isn't it? Just imagine. But in 2018, uh, I went on an overseas tour to follow in the footsteps of the World War I Anzacs. Um, a trip of a lifetime for me, um, and a life-altering, perspective-changing tour for me. And I want to share some of those stories uh, because uh, I was introduced to these people on the tour. Um, It challenged my perspective, and I hope it challenges yours, that I uh, talk to you about Jim Martin. Jim Martin enlisted in World War I as a 14-year-old, 14 and three months blackmailing his parents. He said, I'm going to fake my age, I'm going to fake your signatures, um, but if you, if you sign my enlistment forms, I will write letters home. But if you don't, you won't hear from me. Man, what are parents to do? But they sign his papers because they want some contact with their son. His name is on the Lone Pine Memorial uh, because he is the youngest known Anzac to die at 14 and nine months. And of all the things that you might pass away in a war setting, he dies, I think, tragically of typhoid fever. We travelled from uh, Gallipoli to uh, the Western Front, up into France and Belgium, and our tour guide introduced me to these men. Their images are up on the screen. From um, top, top left, that's William. William, or Bill to his family, he was a carpenter, a carpenter from Brisbane, and he was also killed in action at Gallipoli on the 23rd of June 1915 at Quinn's Post. Uh, His name is also on the Lone Pine Memorial at Gallipoli. Next to him is Leonard. 
Leonard was a farmer, also from Brisbane, and he was killed in action uh, on, the on the 3rd of September 1916, also at the age of 29. He was killed in a battle, the Battle of Moo Kay Farm. True to Aussie style, we don't call anything by its proper name if we can avoid that. Uh, so they, we called it the Battle of Moo Cow Farm. And that is where he was passed. On the very next day, uh, Bennett passed on the 4th of September 1916 in the Battle of Moo Kay Farm. Both their names are on the memorial at a place called Villas Bretonneux, if you know your history. Significant battles for us as Aussies. Um, the next row down, you see a, a young fella. <clears throat> That's Harold. Harold joined the 13th ambulance, field ambulance, which sounds pretty cool. Man, you get to drive an ambulance. No such luck for Harold. He's a stretcher bearer. And the, um, the courage of the stretcher bearer was to go into the battlefield completely unarmed. You have a stretcher for your defence. <laughs> Good luck. Uh, Harold doesn't cope with what he has to deal with and his responsibilities. He falls apart having heard and seen uh, what I could only imagine. And he has returned to Australia a broken young man with what we would know today as PTSD. Uh, back then there was something wrong with you and your file was stamped with lacking moral courage or lacking moral fibre. Edward next to him was also from Brisbane, a farmer. He died on the 2nd of November 1917. He was killed in action in Belgium. And the final photo there of Henry with a great rock and a great moustache. Uh, he enlisted uh, at 30 and I think um, there were so many young men that signed up, but I think maybe as a 30-year-old, you've got a little bit more life experience under your belt. You, you know what you're signing up for. And I think uh, to, to acknowledge a 30-year-old that goes, you know what, I, I know what I'm getting myself in for. I'm going to enlist anyway. He enlists in 1914. He makes it through all the way to January 1918, where he is returned to Australia for family reasons. And the family reason is this. The rest of the images on the screen are his brothers. And I could only imagine the parents in 1915 receiving a letter. We are sorry to inform you, your son has passed. And hoping and praying that there will never be another letter. But in 1916, on two consecutive days, two more of your sons are killed. Your youngest comes home a broken man. The next year, another letter. I don't know how you deal with that. They are one of 2,800 sets of brothers who suffer loss during World War I. And if I left the message there, you'd probably throw stones at me or my car as we drove out today. But that's not the end of the story because on the outside wall of the memorial at Villas Bretonneux are these words by the former Governor General, Sir William Dean. And he said this, Anzac is not merely about loss. Is it about loss? Absolutely. But the full perspective on the Anzac story is not merely about loss. It's about courage and endurance and duty and love of country and mateship and good humour and the survival of a sense of self-worth and decency in the face of dreadful odds. I think that's brilliant. In the face of dreadful odds, we tell a story as a country, as a nation, and we remember how they lived their life, not just the loss of life, 
Yes, there is loss, there is struggle, there is tragedy and trauma for so many families, the loss of generations. But as tempting as it is in our own stories to just stop at the loss, the challenge, the tragedy, and never to deny that, never to deny the struggle. It's also important to bring another perspective, the perspective that Sir William Dean helps us see. And the continuation of that story is this. World War I took 45 million lives. World War I finishes in 1918. And in 1918, this incredible tragedy called the Spanish flu, my wife and I watched a doco on it last year, horrific takes 50 million lives across 1918 to 1920, getting worse with every wave, the Spanish flu. The Great Depression in 1929 to 1941, and World War II begins in 1939 to 1945 with 75 million lives lost. Those decades, my goodness. And so perspective tells me to ask the question, are, are we living in unprecedented times? What do we see? What do we see? What is the story that we tell ourselves about our current circumstance? And, and primarily I'm talking in what we all know and are experiencing at the moment, COVID, but I think this message goes in to many areas. Maybe there's people sitting in this room or on joining us online who have challenges. And I think this speaks into your story as well. Is there challenge? Is there loss? Is there struggle? Absolutely. For some more than others. And please, I will say it again, please do not hear me diminishing that at all. But it's about the perspective that we bring into our everyday life. And I so appreciated last week talking to a young man here. And I was just telling him a little bit about the story of us going overseas. And he actually said, we sit in our lunchroom and, um, and, and we, have, we have stresses and we have pressures, we have challenges. And we sit, about, uh, sit around and we talk about those and there's a little bit of an opportunity to have a little bit of a whinge. But one of us finishes the conversation quite regularly with going, yeah, but at least we're not being shot at. At least we're not living in wartime situation. And I thought, that's brilliant because perspective has come all the way down into your workplace lunchroom. I love that. And Paul reminds the church when he writes to them in Philippi, in the book of Philippians, about perspective. And the setting from Philippians chapter 1, verse 6 and 7 is this. Paul's in lockdown. Not being cute, he's in lockdown. He's in prison. Uh, He's probably in a dungeon. He's either chained to a Roman guard, joy of all joys, or to a wall. He's going nowhere. He is there because he's been falsely accused by people who know him, the religious people of the day. He's been betrayed. He is sitting in prison. They provide you with nothing, no food, no warmth, no clothing, no blankets. You are at the mercy of those who will look after you, if there's anyone to look after you. And that is why he's writing to the Philippians, because they are the church that looked out for him. And he writes this, I pray with great faith for you because I'm fully convinced that the one who began this gracious, some versions say good work in you will faithfully continue the process of maturing you until the unveiling of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's no wonder I pray with such confidence since you have a permanent place in my heart. 
You have remained partners with me in the wonderful grace of God, even though I'm here in chains for standing up for the truth of the gospel. And I want to share just three perspectives we could take out of those two verses. I'm sure there's more. But Paul gives us perspective for life. Number one, God began and will complete a good work. I don't know if you listen to the words of the songs this morning, but he's been so, so good to us. And the first song we sang is of, of his faithfulness. And Paul is reminding the church, the one who began this good work, he is faithfully going to complete it. He will continue it. And that begun and good work is a reference by Paul back to the creation story. He's reminding the church of the creation story. And the creation story in the narrative that is told, there is imagery. imagery. I love all the way through Scripture, there's imagery. And I think um, I love that because we are built with imagination. And so the imagination, the, the story that we hear, the narrative of the creation story is that the earth started with, it was formless and void. It was dark and chaotic. Remember that story. And then God speaks. And God speaks and begins a good work. He speaks and there is light. He speaks and there is life. He speaks and there is order. He speaks and there is peace. He speaks and there is a good earth. I will. <laughs> and he's reminding the church in Philippians, that work, that creation work, God begun it. He's not stopped. He will continue. He will keep going. He's begun it. And he is nothing but faithful to complete that good work. He's talking about in their life, but he's taking the big picture, not the narrow. He's taking the big picture story and going, hey, across all of human history, even in the most darkest parts of human history, God is being faithful to complete the good work that he begun. Remember that. Remember that. That one who is the God Almighty, he is faithful. He is in charge of all things. That's good news. He is not out of control. He is not out of control. He, uh, even though Paul is sitting in chains and has a reason to have a really good sook and a whinge, he could write a letter and you know what? You know what? Life is unfair. He's actually reminding them of a good news story, yes. bringing perspective into his life. God is faithful to complete it. And in 2021, what's the story we're telling? When things are looking out of control, when it looks dark, perhaps helpless, perhaps chaotic, Perhaps who knows what's going to happen in these next few years. If you do, please let me know. But we don't know. How could we know? And we could look at it with this narrow perspective that goes, this is dreadful, this is horrible. Or we can bring the big picture perspective of Jesus into our life. Let's not take the narrow view because God has been faithful across all of human story. It's a matter of trust. And I love this. I love this about our faith <laughs> because it always comes down to a matter of trust. Prove it. I can't. I can't. But I trust that God is faithful. And when I can't see through the end, I don't know the end of the story. I'm going to trust this story. God is faithful. And the difference that that 
That perspective into your life is this. When we begin to trust God, the thing that changes is here and peace comes. Peace comes. Thank you, God. It's not out of control to you. Thank you, God. Perspective number two. Maturity lets convictions drive the car. When we'll faithfully continue the process of maturing you. Because I heard that phrase just recently. Maturity is letting convictions drive the car, not feelings. Because here's what I know to be true. If I let my feelings drive while I'm driving, (laughs) yes, road rage. My goodness, some people on the road test my patience and I don't respond with patience all the time. But if I let my feelings drive while I'm driving, that's bad news. Instead, maturity does this. It lets convictions drive the car. I just think it's such a wonderful little analogy. I love it firstly because of this. It doesn't deny feelings. we, We are never to deny the struggle, the challenge, the pressures, the feelings that come with us. And so in your life, I don't know your story. And please, again, I don't want to diminish any challenge in yours. But if you're feeling helpless, helmed in, shut in, locked down, not just literally, but actually in here, they are normal human emotions and they're okay. But that is one part of the story. And if I let those feelings dry Drive. I'm reminded, I was reminded this week of that really godly, spiritual, um, scriptural story of, of the skies falling in Chicken Little. <laughs> when Chicken Little sat under the acorn tree and, a, and an acorn fell on his head, he's, no, I can't see anything, didn't see the acorn fall. The sky's falling, the sky's falling. And he goes around and proclaims to everybody, the sky is falling if we're letting our feelings drive. The sky is falling and this thing is going to the pack. But it's not. But it's not. And I'm really grateful to a friend of mine who over the last couple of years, as I've worked with him, has helped me move from what ifs to what do we actually know? Because as I do my work, it's really easy to go, but what if? But what if? And every what if that I come up with generally takes me to a negative place. Yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness, so let's not, oh man, the sky is falling. Yeah, no, no, what do, what, let's play in the field of what do we know. Yeah. And let's play with that and then I can make informed decisions. Yeah. And Paul does this because he brings convictions right alongside the story of what he's feeling at the moment. Because he says, I pray, what a great start. I pray with great faith because I'm fully convinced. I have convictions. The good news is, hey, the good news is, church, guess what? God's not in lockdown. God is not social distancing or self-isolating. He is not even going for a COVID test. And He never will because He's not you and me. He is far beyond. Paul is sitting in prison, not denying his challenge and his struggle, but bringing the big picture perspective down into his story. And he says this, I could be sitting here whinging, but I'm fully convinced there's a God who's in control, who's faithful to complete what he has begun. And you know what? I think that's our work, isn't it? I think that's our work. Because it doesn't just happen naturally. My friend, over two years, re-helped, reprogrammed my brain by going, no, 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 but what do we know? Yeah. 
but what do we know? Let's play in that field. And that's our work to take that perspective because we're so used to living in our feelings and our emotions and that's okay so long as we also do the work to bring the perspective down into our life. That's our work. That's our work. So I ask you, what situation, what challenge, what struggle do you need to just sit and stop and bring God's perspective into your life right now? Which part of your life? It doesn't have to be a struggle. It doesn't have to be the challenge. Maybe it's just bringing it into your lunchroom, into your everyday life, bringing God's perspective in. That's our work. The last perspective, the third one. Uh, When Paul writes, you remain partners with me in the wonderful grace of God, even though I'm here in chains. He's referring to that the, the Philippian church had sent people to look after Paul, had sent provision, had sent money, had sent finance to look after him. See, when conviction drives, not our feelings, we can't, we can't stay head down, locked down, looking down, just hunkering down, hemmed in. We actually look up. We look up and we see a bigger picture. We see a bigger world. And we, we stop being a little bit self-focused, a little bit self-absorbed. We actually look out and go, wow, there's a world around about me. There's a world around about me. And maybe there's some people who are sitting even in a seat next to you, down the row from you, over the fence from you, who maybe just need you to partner in the good work of grace on planet Earth. That's what the Philippians did. And you know what they did? They just saw a need, went, we can do that. We can do that. You know what, I think we, I think my personal conviction is this, we over-spiritualise, we over-complicate. What do I have to do on planet Earth? Because I think part of it is that uh, the message is, if it's not somehow world altering, ah, it's not significant. And I love how we speak as a church, pray, Give, go. You know what? You could do all three this week. All three. Just pray, just give, just go. Even if it's just to the neighbour over the back fence. What could I do to bring light, life, peace? Life, light, peace. What could I do? And please, when you go, I could, I could, I could make a cake. Don't over-spiritualise and go, oh yeah, but that's not significant. Maybe someone needs a cake. (laughs) Maybe someone just needs the thought that went, thank you for thinking of me. And I've learned that is so significant in people's lives. Just turn up. Thank you for thinking of me. And you're like, I I didn't do anything. Yeah, you did. You turned up. Pray, give, go. Because that perspective brings purpose into my everyday. It brings purpose into my work lunchroom. It brings purpose into my work lunchroom. And if I could leave you with that one thought, I'd love to change your perspective that your work lunchroom is significant. You work at walking into that workplace where you are five days in the week and you bring everyday life, light and peace. If you just went that Man, you know what that does? It just means human existence has purpose. It's not pointless. Life has meaning every single day. Not one day in the week, not some days in the week, every day. 
wherever I walk, wherever I go, what's the story you're telling in this current time? Is it one of gratitude? Man, I'm actually really grateful, not for the struggle. I'm never thankful for the struggle and the challenge, but I am thankful for what I've learned over the last 18 months. Do we speak gratitude? That's bringing life, light and peace. Paul challenges us on our perspective, never to deny the challenge, never to deny the struggle, but to say, how do we live in our everyday life with a big picture perspective? And maybe you're here with us in the building, maybe you're with us online um, and you've never had this perspective. I wanna invite you into it today because my life changed because I have, I began and I've, and my life story is one of changing perspective when I line up with God's version of the world, God's version of my story, regardless of who I am, my past, all my failings, all my regrets, I actually have my story trumped by His story. And if you've never made that decision to walk into His story, He invites you to do that today. And it simply begins with just a heartfelt response to say, yep, that's me, I want that. And there will be Sarah at the end of the service who will speak to you about how do you, how do you begin that journey of having a life-altering perspective through Jesus Christ. So we finish with questions. I don't think they're going to be on the screen. Well, I know because I didn't give them to them. <laughs> when will you make time to consider your current perspective? I thought I'd throw that one in. It's not normal, a normal. Just when are you going to make time? Because it's really easy to hear something and go, good, that was good, good knowledge. But don't sit down and go, hey, how do I need to bring that into my life? When, when's the time? Does your current story you tell of this season reflect that God is faithful? And is there a new perspective to bring to your story? What's driving? Feelings or convictions? And if feelings are driving, where are they taking you? That would be a really, really smart use of your time to sit down and go, are my feelings driving? Where does it end up when they drive? I don't want that. I think I might drive with some convictions instead. And where am I bringing light, life and peace into somebody's world? God bless you and have a great week. Honour Adam as he leaves this morning for an incredible word.